0: When you need to know what's happening, it's, 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 it's time to get In the Huddle with Carl Dukes, Brian Baldinger, and Jason LaConfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle, and we have a Super Bowl winner. Guys, it was the most watched game in history, and rightfully so with the ending. Carl Dukes put him up, along with my man Brian Baldinger, Jason LaConfora, part of this podcast as well. You can watch us on YouTube. At In the Huddle Pod, and of course, subscribe, like us, tell your friends. Baldy, unfortunately, we've come to the end of the season. And before we get into this game and all the things surrounding it, and obviously uh things going on around the NFL because it's going to be an exciting offseason and we will be here for you talking about all of those things. Um, I'm happy and sad at the same time. I'm happy because we got an incredible game. Yeah. I'm sad, Baldy, because I'm already I-, I want next Sunday to be here, you know? No.
1: I'm with you, Carl. It's withdrawals. I mean, we all are having withdrawals. Like, what are we going to do with our time? What are we going to do with our weekend? How do we spend it? Do we wash the car? Do we? I mean, nobody knows what to do right now. And, I, and you're not alone, Carl. I'm not alone. People I work with, friends of mine, family. My mother's like, "What am I going to do without the red zone on Sunday?" <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, we we have our we we just had this incredible run, six straight months. Like, man, it it was. It, it it just filled our time took our mind off a lot of other nonsense out there in the world and um it's 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 gone and so there's a there's a huge void right now
0: yeah i um i just we know this and we talk about it all the time it's just not like football and i think this the ratings that came in on this game prove it even so much more you know mm-hmm. um and it also proves baldy as we get into this game uh people like dynasties. People wanted to see if the Chiefs were going to be able to go back-to-back for the first time in in, 20 years, 19 years. People wanted to see if Kyle Shanahan could get the 49ers over the top. There was drama before the game even started, and people were interested in that. And then the game gets really good and interesting late, and then you get overtime for the first time with the new overtime rules. It just set up perfectly for people to be paying attention, the fringe fans, people that normally don't maybe watch – Uh, and aren't as hardcore, but you know what? It's the Super Bowl, and my son's home, and my daughter's here. I got to check it out. And and the ratings were off the charts. So we got a great game. Let me ask you as we start talking about this game. I felt Baldy in the first half, and I know you've done Baldy's breakdowns. Make sure you follow Brian Brian Goldinger. Check out the breakdowns. They're absolutely great. I felt like the Chiefs were panicking a little bit, and it felt like there was some tension, Right. And it all kind of crescendoed with the, you know, the Kelsey, you yeah. know, the Andy Reid, give me the damn ball thing. But I felt like there was there was a little panic there. Did you feel that from them?
1: I did. They 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 couldn't get into any kind of a rhythm. And they weren't they weren't playing good on offense at all. Uh and the four, but the 49ers had opportunities to kind of put them away and make this a real. I mean, they had plenty of opportunities, whether it's McCaffrey's fumble or whether it's a you know, missed extra point. I mean, it, you know whether it's you know a, a muff punt that wasn't handled well. Um, there was just opportunities. There was an interception to start the third quarter by the 49ers up 10-6, and they did nothing with it. You get the ball at the 44-yard line. They actually lost a yard on three plays. I thought the 49ers had so many chances to win it, and it maybe should never have even come to overtime. But the one thing that I felt, all along the whole season, and I remember I think I shared it with you, Carl, on one of our uh podcasts. But I remember talking to Andy Reid, you know, like mid season. And, and I've known Big Red since he came to Philadelphia, yeah. Um, I was there as an introductory news conference, um, met a Met Day, did a lot of games for Fox with him, you know, I, I built a relationship, know his wife Tammy well. And I said to the first time I said Andy for the first time in 25 years I'm talking more about your defense and your offense. Mm. And he couldn't he, he he couldn't disagree with me. And I just felt like in this game the defense just kept him in the game, Carl. It just kept him in there. They just kept Mahomes hanging around and hanging around and as we now know, like there's no doubt, you let Mahomes hang around, he's going to beat you. He's just going to beat you. He's just going to put together a drive like we saw in overtime and it's going to be flawless and it's going to be him. It's, I'll, I'll run it on third down. I'll, I'll scramble up the middle for 19. I'll, I'll just do whatever it takes. Um, I'll dust off corn dog to go win it. Whatever it is, like, he's going to find a way to beat you if you give him the ball to him with a chance to win a
0: game. Yeah, and, and you know what Andy Reid said afterwards? He's on the podium with Jim Nance, right? And, and we've played this soundbite on my show. It's funny because he's like, how about that D? Because he knew Baldy, and and to Brian Baldinger's credit, guys, if you watch all these episodes uh, as we've been moving along here in the huddle, going back to last offseason, Brian Baldinger said to us and told us that Chris Jones was going to get Aaron Donald money. He was playing for that. Going into this season, he was going to be a beast, and look how much of a difference maker he was, not just in the Super Bowl, but throughout the course of the season. Chris Jones is that dude. I mean... But well, Baldy, I, I'm watching the, the game and I'm like, man, he's making plays. He's setting his team up to make, uh, teammates uh, set up to make plays. And I thought he just had a really good game. But it came down to him making that play in overtime that allows the 49ers to not score. They only get a field goal. And Baldy, that was the ball game, right?
1: So I talked to a lot of guys at Super Bowl that, that play against Chris Jones. I mean, I talked to Deion Dawkins, different guys that have to. And the one thing about Chris Jones and why I said that about, you know, he deserves Aaron Donald money money, is because Aaron was maybe the only guy in the league. I mean, there's, there's TJ, there's, there's good players, Sure, but his ability to take over a game when it, when it counts the most, he does it over and over again and talking to guys that have to defend him, They're like Baldy. He's just like, he just starts, he just starts moving and dancing and you think you're in good shape. Next thing you know, you're in the lap of the quarterback. And it happens over and over again. Like he – and I remember talking to him uh, in Baltimore at the AOC championship game. Until you stand next to Chris Jones in a football uniform, you don't realize just how big and powerful he is. And it, 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 it just keeps showing up. And, you know, he's a free agent and, you know, like that guy hasn't – he doesn't get hurt. He doesn't slow down. He knows what time of the game it is. He knows when to like, okay, it's my time. Like I got to go, and he can defeat blocks and double teams. He is a beast. But I want to go back to what you said, Carl, at the very beginning of this about dynasties. We don't see many of them. They they don't come along very often. You can't. You don't know if you can build one. The Golden State Warriors did it. The Cowboys did it in a very short period of time with Jimmy Johnson. We we, we you, you probably outlight. You know, from Green Bay to Miami to Pittsburgh, all the teams that have had, you know, dynasties, and that's where Kansas City is at. And the one thing I would say in this dynasty is this is all – this is free agency. You can't pay your quarterback, you know, a fifth of your uh, salary cap, a quarter of your salary cap, and build a di- – you can't do it. They, they keep telling us that. You have to do it on the rookie con- – dang, if they – ain't, you know, they pay Patrick Mahomes and he's earned every penny of it. But they still – they draft unbelievable. Yeah. Steve Spagnuolo has developed these kids. Trent McDuffie is a star. Like, he was a star in that game. Yes. George Karloftis, a star. Leo Chenal forces a fumble, blocks an extra point. Like, these are all second-year players, Carl. Like, Spags, not, not only did Brett Veach draft him, Spags coached him, got him up to speed. They don't make mistakes. They don't beat themselves. All those things have to take place. If you're going to build a dynasty behind the quarterback that, I don't, you know, I, mean, I don't know what the – Mahomes' salary is it these days, if it's the highest. or But it's amongst the highest. Yeah, 50 um, million. Yeah, 50, 52. Yeah. He's I mean, right there. But, like, they built the team because they draft and they develop, and they draft and
0: develop the right type of people. It's interesting you bring up Spags um, because I was curious how he would approach this game versus the Lamar game. Yeah. And I want you to tell me what you saw – with Lamar Baldy, you know, he had that extra DB on the field, right? They were, they were playing it a little bit different. And then you go against Brock Purdy, you know, he can scramble, but you're not as fearful of what he can do with his legs as you were Lamar. What did you see Spags and this defense do against the 49ers that, that, that they were effective? Well, they, um,
1: they still blitzed and they effectively blitzed. There was a third and four, um, after they got the interception, there's third and four and, you know, they're trying to stay on the field and he comes with a Trent McDuffie slot blitz. And it's, it's one of these blitzes where, okay, Karloftis um, has to go outside and Bolton has to go inside to open up the lane. And Purdy is looking right at Juwan Jennings for a first down. And here comes McDuffie full speed. Mm -hmm. They had a spy, Willie, Willie Gay on a third down, spied him. And, um, was able to chase him out of bounds and couldn't get the first down. They had a rat in the middle of the field. They had a deep safety in the middle. They, I felt like some plays, they felt like they had 12 players on the field. And then McDuffie defends Debo in the end zone. I mean, it's a touchdown. It's a perfect throw. And Mc, you can't play it any better. In fact, if I was a, a defensive back right now, maybe coming out of college or whatever, or a young player in the NFL, I mean, I would study Trent McDuffie and how he gets his eyes back on the ball, Carl. He doesn't get his hands on guys. Like, he plays the game, and then he's a great tackler. Like, he is – they got that pick, first-round right. pick. They got that absolutely right. Him and Carl Oftis both. Like, they're – but to answer your question, they they did a little bit of everything. They didn't blitz as much as they did against Lamar, but they did effectively. Um, when they came, yeah, they got beat on the Dwan Jennings touchdown. Um, uh, that was a blitz zero. They They beat him on that. But uh, San Francisco got a good play for it, but on the touchdown from Juwan Jennings to Christian McCaffrey, I mean that play is for George Kittle across the middle of the field. And, people, and Kansas City was Kittle open? No, Kansas City doubled him. Like this is a throwback to the wide receiver, and they didn't like their eyes were in the right place. Mm-hmm. Normally, okay, throwback Juwan Jennings, somebody's going to be out of position. Here goes Kittle across the formation. They had him double Jennings. Looked at it and looked at it, and to Kyle Shanahan's credit. OK, if Kittle's not there, then here's McCaffrey across the field. And I mean, I don't know how many teams would have been able to stay on a double team on Kittle on that action that they showed. It was
0: a lot of a lot of this. Right. And you're absolutely right. I mean, you see the stats there for McCaffrey, McCaffrey. and going into this game. I thought he had to have 100 yards. I didn't think it was possible because the Chiefs defense in the way that they play. But I thought he had to have 100 yards rushing. 80 yards on the ground, 80 receiving. And people have questioned Baldy, did he see the ball enough, right? He is the go guy. He's the guy that stirs the drink for the 49ers. I got to be honest, under the circumstances, I think these are great numbers in a Super Bowl. Eight balls for 80 yards, he scores a touchdown. Could he have gotten the ball more on the ground as far as trying to run the ball? Maybe. But what did you think as far as the strategy and using McCaffrey? And we know, for whatever reason, Deebo was a non-factor in this game. Well, I mean, look, they had seventy plays, Carl, and McCaffrey had thirty of
1: the seventy, and he was tired. And we all saw. I mean, it's overtime; it's five quarters. He was tired. I mean, you know, they they went to Elijah Mitchell a couple times, Um, but no, Debo was a non-factor. Look, McCaffrey averaged over five yards a carry this year, league's leading rusher. He averaged three and a half in this game. There was five plays. They had a hard time blocking Chris Jones and Mike Pennell and some of the Herring, some of those guys inside. There was five of his 22 runs, Carl. He didn't gain an inch. One of them was third and two. He went backwards. I mean, they sh- – now, he had, he had a couple runs. But, I mean, that came City defense. They didn't get pushed. I mean, that was the question mark, whether it was their run. And they went big. They went Bolton. They went, uh, you know, Chanel. Uh, they went gay. They went big linebackers. And, really, you got to make if, – if you're going to do that, you got to make it pay in the passing game. And they really couldn't. They got a couple plays, but they really – they couldn't do it. In fact, they only had just a a couple of explosive plays the whole day.
0: Baldy, let's talk about the overtime rules. Uh, There's been a lot of discussion here over the last couple of days, uh, you know, since the the game here, the the last 72 hours. I think that the new rules are perfect, first of all, because both teams get to touch the ball. And the sudden death, which you were in and a part of – and for so many years, you kick the ball off, team gets the ball, they get to the 40, you know, yeah. yard line, field goal, ball game's over. So the fact that both teams get to touch it, but, you know, to hear the some of the 49ers players, and, again, I don't know if this is true or how much of it was just frustration coming out, but saying, you know, we didn't know the overtime rules. Baldy, you and I know we cover these camps. All of these coaches in training camp, have these meetings where they go in and say, hey, here are the new rules. Here's what's going on. This might affect a game or two this season. And I think it's complete BS that these guys are like, hey, we didn't know. And, you know, oh, it was the first Super Bowl with the new rules in overtime. Did Kyle Shanahan get this wrong by taking the ball first? Because that's the discussion. Yeah.
1: No. Here's what Kyle – I think Kyle knew exactly what he was doing. You know, Fred, Fred Warner's the captain out there. He, he chose heads. It was heads that, they had a choice. Um, well, Kyle, his Kyle's explanation makes sense to me. So, for example, we both yeah. we both get a chance to touch it. So then if both teams score, and let's just say field goals, touchdowns, whatever, then you're gonna get the ball the third time with a chance to win it. With I thought What's a field goal, with field goal. With, with any, yeah, field goal. So to me, Kyle's saying, I'm gonna go down and score, and they had a chance to score a touchdown. They blew, I mean, they just didn't block the play correct. They had a chance to score on their opening drive. They, they settled for the field goal. Um, you know, Mahomes made one play after another, and, you know, they um, they score the touchdown. So they don't get the third time. They don't get the third possession. But if they hold them to a field goal and, you know, it's 22-22, then the 49ers get the ball a third time. And if they score, whether it's another overtime period, because it's just it just keeps going, if they sc- score in the next possession, they win the game. Yeah. Like, I thought it made sense to me. Like, I, you know, if if Patrick gets the ball first and they go down to score, you got to match the score, otherwise, you lose. And then Kansas City gets the ball a third time to win it. So to me, I thought he, he he played it absolutely right. And look, it's the first game of the new overtime rules. Like, McCall Hardman wasn't even sure he won the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he wasn't even sure, like, what happened. Um, I just think players just get caught up in a the moment. They're yeah. not thinking, they're just out there playing, right. like okay, we got to go out there and score. I don't think they're thinking about the overtime rules. We got the ball, we got to score, and I don't think anybody in San Francisco, um, when Moody kicked the field goal, thought they, the game was over. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody, and that, that would have been that would have been the old rule. And obviously, Kansas City knows it. They're the reason why there isn't a new overtime rule. In their overtime win against Buffalo, when Josh Allen didn't get a chance to touch it, and they literally changed the rule the next day. Like, obviously, everybody in Kansas City is going to know it because they started the rule. Yeah, They're right. the reason why there is a new rule. But I had no problem with Kyle Shanahan's explanation of taking the ball. In fact, when, when Fred Warner got the ball and, uh, you know, won the toss and took the ball, I was like, good, go down and score. Put the
0: pressure on Kansas City. That's the way I feel, I, I, honestly. I, I know people are going in and saying it was the wrong decision. I didn't feel that way. Well, I,
1: I think about this, Carl, on that drive. Kansas City goes for it on fourth and one from their own 35 because they have to. Right. And that's when Mahomes ran the option and, you know, and and took it for eight yards. But they had to go for it on fourth and one at 35. There's no tomorrow. They stop them on fourth and one. Game's over.
0: Well, game's over. Brian Baldinger, Carl Dukes with you. It is In the Huddle, guys. Subscribe, like us, watch us on YouTube, In the Huddle Pod. You can catch all the episodes as we talk all things NFL. It's going to be a big offseason. Uh, obviously, we got the combine coming up. We'll have free agency. We're going to be talking about the draft, and we'll be getting into all of that stuff here over the next couple of months. We're talking about Super Bowl 58, the most watched event, right, in the history of Super Bowls now, and, and you know, you talk about the impact uh, of that last play. Baldy, let's talk about that play. Um, some people said, was that a pick play? It was not. We're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. It was just motion and confusion, right, on the behalf of the defense with the 49ers when Micole runs and then comes back and then it's like who's got him and by that time it's it's over talk about that play and, and the action
1: well the, the play is actually it, it the nickname is corn dog but the actual play is trips right f shuttle tom and jerry right yellow that's the play now they they Micole Hardman comes in motion and San Francisco is in man coverage and maybe Logan Ryan's on him. I'm not really sure exactly. But it looks like the way the two tight ends, Noah Gray and Travis Kelsey, like deploy and take off. It looks like man coverage. And what happens is because the Chiefs ran the same play last year twice for touchdowns. Once to Kadarius Tony, and once to Sky Moore. And so all you're doing is you're just getting the defense to sort of run a pattern. Okay. It looks like maybe McCall Hardman is going in motion across the formation. He stops, reverses, and goes back out. I saw where Andy Reid run this play, by the way, to Brian Westbrook back in two thousand and six. Same play, right? Like I've seen, I've seen Andy run that exact same motion with Westbrook. Yeah, right. And you know, I, and I know Doug Peterson ran it last year in Jacksonville against the Eagles, and but they literally dusted that play off. Now it's first down, it's first down. You know, um, at the three yard line. So even if they don't make it, they still have three more shots to go win the game at the three, but it's funny on the play. I don't know what Travis Kelsey is looking at, but he's already got his hands up in the air and he's not looking at the play. He's running his route. Whether he's looking at the jumbotron, I don't know, but like Kelsey's got his hands in the air, not even looking as McCall Hardman, you know, catches it. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, the, the and by the way, you know who else is going to dust off that play? Every other offensive coordinator in the league now. They're looking at that and they're going, hey, we got to add that to our repertoire because it's worked so many times in a, in the Super Bowl for Andy Reid. Let's talk about Big Big Red for a second. He's so non-assuming, Baldy. You talked about your relationship with him. He's so likable. Yeah. And I said all week long, I just didn't feel like he gets the recognition he deserves being one of the all-time great coaches. He, here's here's where I'm going with this. Um, we can talk about Belichick, but Belichick's tied to one guy, and that is Tom Brady, and that's great, and they had great success. But Andy Reid's done this with a bunch of people. He's done this with different folks, and now, you know, you go from McNabb to Patrick Mahomes, the personnel changes. I mean, I, I just feel like – and to do it in, in different places also. I'm not telling you he's better than Belichick. That, that debate will rage, but I do think he's in the same room. I think he's in the same company when you start talking about Andy Reid now mm-hmm. with this Super Bowl, Baldy.
1: Well, I mean, 25 years, he went to five NFC Championship games in Philadelphia. He went to playoffs with Jeff Garcia. He went to the playoffs with Donovan. He went to this playoffs in Kansas City with Alex Smith. That's right. I mean, now he's got the league's best player. And just like Belichick had the league's best player, they win Super Bowls with the best player. Um but, you know, his staff is amazing. I mean, nobody has put out more head coaches and trained more personnel directors than Andy Reid. I mean, you look at his tree is is like it's a bunion tree. It's a, it's a bunion tree. I mean, And Baldy, his assistants have gone on
0: to win Super Bowls.
1: Yes. Yeah. You know, Doug Peterson's won a Super Bowl. So, yes. uh, but, you know, I mean, I could go back. I mean, you know, Spag's been a head coach and Marty Morningweg and, you know, Leslie Frazier and, right. uh, you know, Ron, Ron Rivera. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just, it's unbelievable what he's done. And so I saw, I saw Jeffrey Lurie down the field before the game, just, you know, because they're still very, very close. Sure. Uh, Jeffrey gave him his opportunity in 1999, but you know, when you're looking at the Mount Rushmore, the Pantheon, whatever you want to decide the best coaches, whether it's, you know, Chuck Knoll or Shula. I mean, Andy Reid is right there. and. You know, I remember when he, when T.O. came to Philadelphia. And literally in one offseason, the whole offense changed. You know, and now there's no Tyreek Hill in Kansas City. And the offense has changed. And it's evolved. And, like, whatever whatever it takes, like, his ability to tinker and just the essence of coaching. All right, what do we have? How do we best put them in the best possible um, scenario for, so that they can succeed, we can succeed? Like, that's the essence of coaching. And so whatever he's been taking, it, it just – it transfers. His ability to teach, his ability to get people's attention, his ability – like, you look at that team, that's a very good tackling team. Yeah. They're a great tackling team. You know, Spags, Spags came from the Frankfurt Galaxy, okay? <laughs> he was coaching in NFL Europe. Yeah. And Andy Reid comes in 99. He brings Jim Johnson in. And he brings in Spags. Like I don't know where he met Steve at, but like there's Steve. Steve's out of a job, you know, for four four or five years ago. He's in my office every Monday. Um, that's his cover three outline right there that he taught me. Like he's here studying the college game. Next thing you know, Andy makes a change the defense coordinator. Spags in there. They got two
0: Super Bowls together. It is it is interesting um, the impact. And by the way, think about this just real quick, and we're gonna. We're going to get into a couple of different things here uh, on the other side. But I got to say this. When the Chiefs made the decision, think about how many teams would have made the decision to pay Tyreek Hill and how that might have impacted the rest of the team. But they decided we can go ahead and win without him. Right. And Tyreek's a great player. We know that Mm -hmm. But we're going to move forward and win without him. And everybody wondered, just go back a couple of seasons ago. This is a mistake. What are they doing? They're going to ruin the offense. Mahomes won't be able to do things that he normally does. They've now won two Super Bowls without it. It's absolutely amazing. And my point is, that is because of Andy Reid. That is Andy Reid's ability to adjust. And Baldy, the best coaches in this league adjust. They evolve and adjust. The ones that don't do that don't last long or they're not any good. It's just what it is. So I totally agree with you and I love Andy Reid and I love what he's been able to do. And, and you know, by the way, the commercials are great too. How about those Nuggies? I mean, it's just, it's just well, I mean, and, and I've
1: asked Andy about that. You know, he's now like this celebrity yeah. um, commercials and he goes, he goes, it's not about me. I, you know, my quarterback wants me in on it. Like I'm going to go spend a day with my quarterback. That's I great. mean, you, you, he can't There'll be more this year for sure, but um, like is I I just wish honestly the only thing I wish about Andy, I wish people could see the other side the the funny Andy the Andy imitating you know, uh, you know comedians or telling bad jokes or just how smart he is about about anything he could build a car engine put it back together I mean the guy is just engaging and. Uh, You know, I mean, I just it's just to be able to handle all the stuff you got to be able to handle with off the field stuff that just happens. Young players, young kids, like just be able to handle all of that and just kind of keep you right on the rails going forward.
0: It's a lot. When we come back, they've got a new defensive coordinator. And why are we even talking about this? We'll explain when we come back on in the huddle. Carl Dukes, Brian Baldinger with you, Jason Lock on 4, part of this podcast as well. Um, as we've been talking about Super Bowl 58, great game. We're going through withdrawals already. Baldy and I are trying to find the schedule on Sunday to see what games we're going to watch and be at. And, and there is no schedule because the season's over. But we got to talk about some of the moves that have been made here in the offseason. And one of the biggest moves was Dan Quinn taking the job in D.C. to go to the, the commanders. And what were the Cowboys going to do? ironically baldy were you surprised i was a little surprised at this they interviewed rex ryan who i thought was like out of the game and enjoying the world and mike zimmer who listen we know zimmer we know his reputation and, and what he's been able to do the cowboys hire zimmer as their new dc the reason why this is important the super bowl odds are out already yes 49ers chiefs are right there on top of it you got the ravens you got the lions up there the cowboys are there too and people want to say, all right, well, are they going to be able to replace what Dan Quinn meant to that football team? And more importantly, what he meant to the defense. Tell me what you think of the Zimmer hire. Well,
1: I like you, like I, I know Rex pretty good. I saw him last time I saw Rex. He was uh, coaching the Hula Bowl uh, a couple of years ago and I was announcing the game and I and Rex was just uh, being Rex. Yeah, and he's like man. I ain't never going back there and blowing a whistle again, Baldy. Like, you know how much money ESPN pays me to come out here and do this? And, you know, and, and look, he's excellent on Sunday mornings. I mean, he's great. Um, I was surprised that they interviewed him because, honestly, if he was serious and they interviewed Rex, to me, like, it's his job. Now, um, I think they need – I mean, guys run through the wall for Rex. They, right. They love like playing for him. So, I, I thought that was – as soon as I saw him interview, whether he was – Dead serious filling out Jerry. Um, I, I don't know. I know Mike Zimmer real well too. He started with Bill Parcells there in Dallas, secondary coach, and you know worked his way up to head coach down the road. Mike's a good coach. He's a good coach. He sounds. He coaches hard. Uh, you know, players are going to get. You know, they're going to get an earful when they make mistakes and don't do things correctly. But uh, excuse me, he's going to. He, he's. But he's a quality defensive coordinator. Like he knows what he knows what to do and how to uh, get things done. So I, I think it's a good hire. But it, honestly, if I had my choice uh, and Rex was available and he wanted to he wanted to put the hours and the time in, I'd hire Rex in a
0: second. Yeah, I, I when I heard that, I was like, oh, and, and you know, the interesting thing, too. And, and I don't know how this interview went or or what was said, but we know this about Rex. <laughs> He's not going to pull any punches. No. And, no. And, and and if Jerry asked him what he thought about whatever, he probably said exactly whatever the hell he thought. And yeah. it might have been offending, uh, offensive to some mm-hmm. people in that room because that's how Rex operates. Yes. But you, you have to know he's brash that way, but he also has the ability to back it up and talk, you know, and, and teach and, and obviously uh create great defense. well the thing
1: that he the thing that he does. I, I mean I've I've been in a lot of uh meetings with Rex and Know him pretty good. Um, but the thing that he knows how to do is he knows how to affect your quarterback. He's going to hit your quarterback. Your, yeah. qu- your quarterback is going to get hit. Now, he needs corners. He needs corners like, you know, Darrell Revis and yeah. Lamardi. He needs those type of players like he had in Baltimore. But you give him some corners, he's going to hit your quarterback and he's going to hit him early because he always believes that if you hit that quarterback early, Carl, the quarterback's going to give you too late. And a lot of times, that's exactly how it goes.
0: No doubt about it. Uh, as we talk about some of the things that are going on and, and as we get closer to the offseason, you will see teams releasing players. Mitchell Trubisky yesterday got released. Uh, mutual decision, apparently, for the for the Steelers. Listen, the Steelers need to bring in competition, all right, for uh, the quarterback spot. I'm not saying they're going away from from Pickett, but they got to bring in some competition, and I think they will do that. So that is probably the reason why this happens and Trubisky gets a new start. He's only 29, but he'll go somewhere else and compete and see what happens. But, Baldy, we're going to see that happening here yeah. over the next few weeks as players and teams are figuring out who we want to keep, maybe who we want to move on from, and that's going to help shape free agency because that's going to open up the door for a lot of these guys that go elsewhere. Well, teams got to get their cap in shape, Carl. I mean, that's
1: what this is. All right. I mean, what who, who can we live without? Who are we um, paying – Uh, excess amount of money to like all that stuff is is being shaped right now as we get ready to go to the combine and all of a sudden the conversations in indianapolis carl start shaping up around availability what are you doing um you know trades drafts i mean chicago holds the number one pick are they holding it i mean that that conversation now gets put on the front burner as we start you know it does um does cliff kingsbury and Washington with the number two pick, and they make a play. Uh, The quarterbacks I saw, um, and I was very impressed. I saw Michael Penix uh, at the Super Bowl and met his agent, talked to him. He's a very impressive individual. There's a lot of myths about Michael Penix out there, whether it's his age or his inability to read defense. It's just stuff. And I just said that we're going to flush all this out. I know I will. I'll be doing my part as we sort of are going to be juggling four or five quarterbacks um, in this draft
0: that are all look like they have first round grades on them. the dates that are important. And we'll be talking more about them, February 27th through March 4th, the combine, and then free agent deals can be signed starting March 14th. Trades can be officially done and June 1st cuts can be designated. That's a big day that March 14th date. And then, you know, that's, that's also when you start talking about, uh, Potentially, you know, deals being done with free agency. Uh, the negotiating period for you know pending unrestricted free agents can begin March 11th. So you'll start hearing leaks and mm-hmm. who's talking to who. We got a lot of stuff coming up. But before we get out of here, Baldy, I got to ask you this: Super Bowl was in Vegas. First of all, Vegas did an amazing job of putting this on. all right. They did an amazing job. Um, I have never been concerned with some of the concerns of the gambling and all of that stuff from players. It's just never listen, you're always gonna have a bad apple and somebody make a mistake and do something stupid. But for the most part, it's not a league-wide problem that they're, you know, most guys get it and they understand it. But being in Vegas and being who was in this Super Bowl, and the Chiefs now are officially a dynasty, guys. You win three in this amount of time, three and five, you're a dynasty. Mm-hmm. But there are there are thoughts out there that somehow in some way. That the conspiracy theorists are out there, and they believe that some way this game may have been fixed, that the the the, the Chiefs were you know going to win regardless, even though the game went to overtime. Mm-hmm. And, and I just want to say, I I know we shouldn't even be talking about this because Baldy and I understand the work that goes in with these franchises, the coaches, the, the the players. Guys, the reason why this game is loved the way it is is because it's unpredictable. It's not because it's predictable. So. When we hear this stuff, we just want to address it because the Super Bowl had all this other stuff surrounding it. It was like, oh, the fix is in. Baldy, what's up with these conspiracy theorists? Well, a couple things, Carl. Number one,
1: Las Vegas is always a major destination for the Super Bowl. For 57 Super Bowls that were never played in Las Vegas, fans went to the sports books. They went to have a good time. They went for a weekend party. They always went to Las Vegas. The the hotels are always full Super Bowl weekend. Now you play a game in Allegiant Stadium right there. It brings you know a lot more on. But I guess it's because of the impact of FanDuel and DraftKings and Caesars and the just the amount of gambling that is going on around this game and others and other things, not just football. So it's just it, it you know I think 38 states have ratified gambling. Yep. You know, I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, Carl was like 11, like it's it, whether we get to 50 or not. I mean, it's out there. So it's like I listen to the noise, Carl, and that's all I do. I don't respond to it. But I do think the league and I think the league like I got the memo going before I went to Vegas. Like, you're not you're not to be in a sports book. You're not going to casino. You're not putting 100 on blackjack. I got that. I understand all of it. It wasn't a problem for me, Carl. Sure. Honestly, sure. my friends. I had friends that were, you know, rolling dice and telling me about, you know, that's great. I mean, we've all done that. But honestly, I, I got the memo and I understood it. Like I was totally clear about the whole thing. You just can't have any impropriety and you can't show or demonstrate any conflict as a member that works for the league uh and works for the NFL. So, but when I do hear the fans saying it's fixed, uh, the fix is in, like it's disturbing to me because they they clearly don't understand just how hard the league trains these officials, how difficult it is to do anything like that. And while a couple of players over the last two years have, you know, done some, you know, gambling on or betting on the final four on their phone. Okay. I mean, I, I, I get that. And they they suspended them and they they punished them. But I think the players understand it. I think they understand what's at stake. I think it's been spelt out pretty clearly. It's just now for the fans to understand that, look, um, you know that that touchdown throw, uh, you know from you know pick pick one, uh, you know th- those fourth down runs by Mahomes aren't fixed. Like that's just Mahomes. We've been watching it now for seven straight years. Yeah. Like there's a reason why he's the league MVP uh, of these Super Bowl games. He's just that good. He's our Tom Brady in this lifestyle. He's he's Joe Montana. He's Troy Aikman. He's just the yep. when your quarterback is the best in the league at what he does. Your team has a real good chance of winning Super Bowls. It's It just goes back to Bart Starr winning the first two. Like your quarterback has the ball in his hands every every play with a chance to impact the game. And nobody impacts the game more than Mahomes does right now. And that's why he's paid, the money he's paid. And uh, and that's, that's not going to change. There's going to be a, a new Mahomes. I don't know who that's going to be, but there'll be another guy. There always is. And so there'll be somebody else that's going to take their team to Super Bowls. Once they, you know, whether it's Caleb Williams, maybe, or who who knows, Drake may, I don't know what's going to happen, but, um, that's, that's always sort of been the game.
0: Yeah. These games are not fixed. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm telling you, they're not no. As much as I, as I'm with you from a betting standpoint and I go, oh my goodness, how could this happen? I will say this,
1: but, but I'll say this, Carl, like the over and under in the game was 47. I know. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, I I don't know how they do it. Like I'm blown away by it knowing that nothing of this is fixed.
0: Well, that's, that's what I was about to say. The number week in and week out is usually on point. And this is why, and and here's the other thing, you you know, this, these games are not fixed and those numbers are never, you never can go through any Sunday. Okay. Even at the start of the season and we don't know anything about these teams and you see Cowboys over giants by 21, (laughs) you know, Eagles over Dolphins by by, by, by 17. You yeah, don't yeah. see those numbers. The number is three, two and a half, four, four and a half. And what Vegas is telling you is it's this much between the yeah, difference yeah. of winning and losing in the NFL. Yep. These these wow. rosters, as crazy as it sounds, the worst roster in the league could go on any Sunday and play the best team, and it's this much. And Vegas understands that, that, that That's why even at the end of the season when you know what teams are and you go, oh, they're going to blow them out. And you and you and that that doesn't happen, and you lose your mind because you think the fix is in. That's because the rosters and this game is that much. So, well, I mean, look, the the um, San Francisco was favored by two, yeah, and won by
1: three. three. and I said I picked. I said I'm never going against Mahomes. I've done that before. I'm not doing it. And I think the margin is three. It was three. Now I was just, you know, I got it's it's nothing but luck on my part. But I just like it, it, this. You knew it was going to be a close game. I didn't know it was going to be, you know, 15 minutes of overtime necessary to win the game like it was. But you can't get – and that's all they want. I mean, just keep the viewers there. And the games are getting a lot more competitive. There was a time when these games were blowouts, Carl. And, you know, like the game was over at halftime. But these games have been very, very close over the last decade.
0: Guys, don't miss an episode. Subscribe, like us, tell your friends. It's in the huddle. Carl Dukes, Brian Baldinger, and of course, our man, Jason Lock on four. We're going to be here throughout the course of the offseason. Lots of change going on with all the teams, players, coaches. There's a lot to talk about. Baldy, have a great rest of your week. Great job at the Super Bowl. And uh, we will talk to you guys soon. Take care.